Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Liana Brinded, head of Yahoo Finance UK. And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. Welcome to the first episode of Chamber Breakers, presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. During this season, Liana and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chambers surrounding key social challenges. Each episode will start with a five-minute address from that week's guest, followed by a brief discussion with myself and Xavier. This season, we're focused on CSR at a time of global crisis and the impact that it's having on mental health. We will be exploring a variety of societal topics through the lens of corporate social responsibility, volunteering, and what businesses can do to help. This week, we're delighted to welcome Trisha Driver, a diversity and inclusion strategist and founder of A New Normal. Trisha will begin today's episode with a brief talk on the challenges of diversity in the workplace. My name is Trish Driver. I'm the founder of a company called A New Normal, and we work with clients across a number of different sectors, supporting them in everything diversity and inclusion related in the workplace. So that's everything from one-off interventions around stuff like unconscious bias or inclusive leadership, all the way through to large-scale culture change programs. So I've been working in this space on and off for the last 15 years or so. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting the point at which we're at at the moment and the renewed focus that it's really brought to the concepts of inclusion and diversity in the workplace. I'm always quite deliberate in terms of my positioning of those two concepts next to each other. I think quite often people are tempted to think of inclusion and diversity as being interchangeable and synonymous with one another. For me, diversity is all of the richness and that difference that we bring as human beings. So everything that makes us different from one another and inclusion is how you make that mix work. It's really important that we create that distinction between those two things because they are very separate. And from my perspective, those two things don't work in a business or in society without one another. So there is no point in companies going out and trying to attract really diverse talent if they don't have a truly inclusive working environment for people to be part of when they join that organization. And I think the other thing that I I always think is really important, I like to say straight off the bat about inclusion, is that if you look at the dictionary definition of what inclusion is, it's got the word action in there. So inclusion for me is something very, very active. And I think, again, being really picky around the semantics of this, There is a bit of a tendency to think that inclusion is exactly the same thing as an absence of exclusion. And that is just not the case in any world. If you think about the experience of folk who are in some way underrepresented, either in the workplace or marginalized in society as a whole, that active element of inclusion is really, really important. So just to give a a couple of practical examples, um, everybody will have heard the statistic about one in four of us experiencing poor mental health at some point in our lives. Um, But only 50% of us who experience poor mental health will tell our employers about it. And over 60% of graduates who are part of the LGB community who are out at university 
over 60% of those folk will go back into the closet when they start their first graduate job. And if you think about those two examples, those individuals are not seeing something from their employers that say, it's not okay to have a mental health condition at work, or it's not okay to be LGB at work, because that is just flat out illegal for, for very good reasons. What they're not seeing is those really proactive signs that actually it's safe to be your real self at work. And that idea of safety at work is something that I think is just increasingly important, especially in the time that we're living in at the moment. So we are in the midst of a global pandemic, which has thrown everything up in the air. And I think one of the things that really frustrates me about this pandemic is that people are saying, well, we're all in the same boat. And we are absolutely not in the same boat. If we're taking that analogy to another level, we're all in the same storm. But the boats that each of us are navigating that storm in are very, very different from one another. Um, and I think if you think about the, the personal circumstances of people at home, people who have caring responsibilities, people who already have underlying mental health conditions, people who are part of one of those marginalized groups, their experience is going to be very, very different to somebody who is in a situation where they have no caring responsibilities, where they have great financial stability, where they have an enormous back garden, so they don't care whether they're confined to their homes. And I think that recognition of the difference in people's circumstances really, for me, cuts to the core of what inclusion is all about. And it, and it brings up this idea of privilege, which is another one of those incredibly loaded terms. And I think Again, the, the emotion surrounding that concept of privilege is, is really tricky to navigate. But for me, privilege is about an absence of challenge. So I'm incredibly fortunate just from through, through, no, through no virtue of my own that I am straight, I'm white, I'm cisgender, so I'm not trans. I come from a really nice background. I would say I'm, I'm probably now part of that middle class. So I have an enormous amount of privilege that some of my friends and colleagues don't have. There are some things that might make me less privileged than other people in terms of the grand scheme of things. So the whole gender pay gap malarkey, I'm one of the one in four who's experienced poor mental health at some point in my career. And I'm one of the 50% of women who's experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. But even with those things considered, I still have an enormous amount of privilege. And I think when we talk about this, we have to start recognizing that our experiences and our values are not the same as those of those around us. We really have to make that leap. And that's why this active piece about inclusion is so important, because we have to take a really proactive step to understand the experiences of those around us. Because without taking those proactive steps, we spend our whole lives trapped in this little bubble that we live in. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, uh, Trisha, what I'd really love to pick up on on your speech was um, you explained the difference between diversity and inclusion, but we are at the stage of belonging is another yeah. part of that equation. So um, when it comes to diversity, inclusion and belong in the workplace, what does that quantifiably look like? Uh, I think it's, for me, there's a number of different elements to this. So I would say, and I have this conversation frequently with the clients that we work with, it's not enough to focus on one of those elements at a time. You need to be thinking about all of them together. Um, so I think from a from a diversity piece, actually, that's almost the, the simplest piece in some ways to unpack because it's quite quantifiable. And we always talk to our clients, not really so much about diversity, but more about representation, because thinking about the businesses that we work with, and actually, I don't think I can think of a single company that this doesn't apply to. If you are working in any kind of a business, you need to be able to communicate effectively with your clients and you need to be able to show your clients and your customers that you understand their experiences. So we, we do a lot of work in the media sector. And obviously, that's that's a very kind of clear business case around representation. You need to be able to communicate with the maximum potential audience and therefore, you need to be as representative as possible of that audience. And in some ways, that representation is really easy to measure because you can look at those demographics. But again, if you start doing that without having the context of at least an idea of where you're trying to get to around inclusion and belonging, then it kind of comes out of nowhere and puts people on the back foot. So you have to be able to think about all of those things. So that inclusion piece, as I say, is about being really, really proactive and thinking really carefully about the experiences of individuals within your business. And I think quite often we have this tendency to think, well, it's really important that we treat every single person exactly the same as one another. And I don't think you can do that. If you start thinking about treating everybody the same, then there's almost a point that's being missed there as well. It's about understanding how everybody's individual experiences and characteristics and life is is needing to be supported and represented in the workplace. Mm, yeah, it's very true. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the mental health implications of being one of those diverse people that we speak of in a company that doesn't actually foster that sense of belonging. Yeah, and I think there's there's an enormous impact to that. And I don't think it's any coincidence that you look at some of the marginalised groups that we talk about when we're talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Um, so LGBT folk are much more likely to experience poor mental health than those who consider themselves to be straight so I think that's a really important a really important point to make and I think if you don't see those visible those visible role models you don't feel that you're able to be your real self at work it's, it's kind of almost a no-brainer if you feel like you're continually having to filter an element of yourself at work whether that's around your sexuality whether it's around your gender um, whether it's around your caring status that has an enormous impact on your ability to do your job and therefore your mental health as well and I think there's there's no there's no kind of coincidence for me in the research that says the more included people feel at work the more likely they are to be high performers the more the more people see role models that they can relate to the more likely they are to feel included it's kind of it's this virtuous cycle of self fulfilling stuff around inclusion and diversity um and from a mental health perspective i think 
I don't know. I mean, we we do an exercise sometimes when we're um, when we're working with clients around stuff like allyship. Um, if you if you think about um, the, I suppose some of the secrecy that we talked about in that statistic around sixty percent of LGB grads who are out at university going back into the closet when they start their first job. It's not just that you don't come out to people that you work with. It's that constant filtering of making sure that you're not using the pronouns of your partner or you're not talking about the places that you went to at the weekend. And that that mental energy that you expend by trying to conceal something is is really, really impactful when it comes to both your mental health and your ability to perform in your role. So a little exercise that we get people to do, and maybe people listening to this might want to do it, is we ask them to talk to somebody for five minutes about what they did at the weekend without mentioning any names, any pronouns, any locations of places that they went. I mean, the locations bit might be slightly easier given where we are in the world at the moment. Um, But I think that people don't realize what a massive effort that is, even doing that for five minutes. So thinking about the impact of having to do that continually day in, day out, and making those constant decisions is really wearing and exhausting for people. Yeah, Definitely. And, you know, acknowledging that we are in an unprecedented time. We've obviously, we're going through the coronavirus um, pandemic, and that's going to be taking a while. On top of that, there's been a real spotlight being shone on racial injustice. And of course, um, for a lot of marginalized communities, Mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that are being surfaced um, are something evergreen that um, ha- people have been talking about for years, for decades. Uh, and um, when it comes to the workplace, though, um, when people are looking around and looking for that leadership, like you're saying, that reflect them um, and being able to relate and also find a, uh, uh, I suppose, a company for inclusion, um, at the same time, because of the coronavirus, in order to course correct that in a lot of ways, businesses are freezing their hires. Yeah. So what would you say is a way that businesses can come to terms with the lack of diversity while also trying to encourage a new era of making sure that their workforce is diverse and inclusive as possible? I think... Um... Yeah, for, for me, the big thing, and this is what we this is what we spend a lot of time and have a quite a few conversations, as you can imagine, in the last week or so about this, is for companies, even if they are in that situation you're talking about, Liana, where they're not in a position to make any big changes at the moment, to be really transparent about their approach, about their values, and about what they believe in around this, because I think it's you know it's one thing we we can all say, well, this is terrible and we're really sad about it. That's it's so easy those are just words that spill out but I think what people are looking for from companies especially around um the horrendous events surrounding the death of George Floyd um around the around the recent um spike in transphobic content being peddled out by some really high profile people in the media people are looking for companies to make a really clear statement to say this is not okay. And I think the, th- the responses that I've seen from companies that have struck the, the strongest chord with me is where companies have been really honest and said, we, d- we, we think that what we're seeing here is racism or we think that what we're seeing here is transphobia. That is not okay within our business and it will never be okay in our business. And we are committed to this, but this is what we're doing about it. And, and actually being really transparent and saying, we're not there at the moment. We're, we're nowhere near there at the moment, but these are the things that we're going to do. And really making that transparent commitment. And I think, again, it kind of, it links 
back to me to this situation that we're in with with COVID nineteen and the pandemic is that in some ways this is this is an employer's marketplace now because there are going to be a lot more people who are out there looking for work and employers almost have a have an opportunity here and they can use it in the way that they see best. So I think some employers are using it as an opportunity to really kind of open up and have really honest conversations with their people and, and share that leadership in a really authentic way. And others are just seeing it as an opportunity to frankly treat people really badly and put them in situations where they feel either physically unsafe or emotionally unsafe at work in the in the context of the fact that they don't really have many options. But I think that all of those companies will reap what they are sowing now. People will not forget how you made them feel as part of this. And I know certainly some of the most impactful things that I've seen over the last few weeks are people sharing either things that their employers have or haven't done, both within the context of George Floyd and also in the context of the pandemic. And I think that's really impactful and people people will notice that going forwards. I just have a follow up for that, because um, when we talk about it as well, like existing workforce, let's say a business cannot um, physically hire any more new people. What are kind of the steps that you would um, ask them um, to look at in order to um, increase the and maximize, I suppose, um, and acknowledge the diverse staff members that they do have how can they actually with the staff that they do have on their boards right now make it a more inclusive workplace I think that you know the most important thing is that you have to be really clear that none of this stuff is an overnight fix there is no one silver bullet for any of this stuff because there's a really strong business case for diversity and inclusion in businesses so if there was one silver bullet every company would have already deployed that silver bullet so it's not about quick fixes. It's not about kind of the, a one-off program here or training everybody on something over here. It's about being able to say as a business, this is where we want to get to and doing it in a really considered way that actually takes into consideration, not just the chorus majority voice within your organization, but the, the opinions of everybody. Um, we do we do a lot of work with um, a partner, which is um, a survey organization called Great With Talent. And we love working with them because we thought we were data nerds until we met them and we realized that we're not even in the same league. But what we love about working with them is that they enable us to compare the experiences of the majority voice. So typically in a lot of businesses, straight, white, cisgender, male, when you get further up the, the ladder in the business, they enable us to compare the experience of that majority voice with the underrepresented groups within the business and really pinpoint where the challenges are because I think unless you're prepared to start that dialogue with everybody in your business you can't create something that people feel like they can connect to and there's there's an argument to say that businesses shouldn't really be going out and trying to kind of make a change to their hiring until they're really comfortable that they have a workplace that is going to support that in the first place You, you certainly can't do those things in isolation from one another. You mentioned a, a lot of great ways that the businesses can operate, um, things including transparency. But beyond that, when it comes to a business not only attracting a diverse workforce, but allowing one to prosper, in terms of look, feel and sound, what would an optimal business, in your opinion, look like? I think um, there are a few things that we would always say to clients they need to make sure they have in place. I think really strong leadership support and buy-in for anything around a strategy on diversity and inclusion. Quite often what you see within companies is a group of really passionate people 
usually in the HR team who are trying to drive this. But unless it's really and truly integrated in everything you do as part of a business, you're not going to get the traction that you want. So having that leadership support at a board level is really crucial. And that's what we see in common across all the clients that we work with that, that are doing this really well because they recognize that it's not something that sits in a box in the corner of a room in HR. It's something that has to inform every part of the business strategy. So I think that leadership and that that weaving through the whole business is really, really important. Um, communication is absolutely key and I just I just can't say this enough when I say communication I don't mean publishing and sending out thousands of emails I mean enabling a real two-way dialogue so that you can you can have a conversation with your people and understand their thoughts and I think an environment of real genuine psychological safety is absolutely vital as well because people have to be able to call it out when they see things that don't feel right and too often what we see in business is that you hear stories of things that aren't going right that are completely counter to a culture of inclusion and people just don't feel like it's okay to be the person who calls that out. So there's a lot of stuff that people in leadership and managers can do to create that environment of psychological safety that's really important there. And I think just, you know, listening to the people in your business and, and recognizing that this is this is a long-term journey. This is not something that you can fix overnight. It's something that has to take time and, and requires a concerted effort and it needs to be seen by your people to be concerted and long-term as well because otherwise it's just another I'm doing air quotes now HR initiative which are like the two most dreaded words in the entire corporate life cycle Um, it can't be seen as just an HR initiative it has to be seen as part of your core culture as a business. It's really interesting you bring up the HR initiative because, um, like you say, if it is a genuinely um, inclusive place to work, you should be able to um, talk up about um, how things are affecting you, whether it's from your mental health, which is almost um, the byproduct of feeling marginalised at work, correct? So when it comes to these initiatives or (laughs) quote-unquote air quote HR initiatives or trying to move on to embed it into the organisation, one of the things that doesn't seem to be brought up is how important the, um, I suppose, reporting process of speaking up is yeah. within that inclusive, um, you know, idea. Because what would your advice be when it comes to um, staff wanting to um, speak up of how the system can be made better for um that individual where it's already a harrowing experience yeah I think and it's it's a really complicated one to unpack so I guess you know the ideal environment is that something happens so somebody says something inappropriate in a meeting and either the individual who feels directly impacted or an ally in the room says something in the moment and it's resolved I don't know many environments where that would work currently so I think you you have to kind of, again, attack this from a number of different angles. So the first thing is about making sure that everybody in your organization really and truly understands what behavior is and isn't okay at work. And I think sometimes there's almost a tendency to think this is just, this is so basic. Why are we even talking about this? But you do need to articulate it and be really clear about what the consequences are if people don't adhere to that, because this is a this is a contract about behavior in the workplace and it's really important. And so I think the first step of having that really clear explanation of what is and isn't okay, I think 
the second piece is about helping people who are in a position of privilege to really understand that they have an opportunity to use that privilege in a really positive way. So to really to really act as allies and step up and speak up for people, because it's always going to be harder for someone who is directly directly impacted by something in that moment to say something. So making sure that you empower people to act on others' behalves. But I think a lot of it comes down to the example that everybody sets. So I think I've said leadership's really important. The leaders will be looked to as an example of their behavior. But everybody within an organization is the guardian of the culture of that company. So each and every person gives implicit permission every day by the way they behave and what they let slide and what they don't let slide in terms of how other people can act. So I think giving everybody that collective and shared responsibility is really important as well. And then when it comes to, I guess, the, you know, the kind of almost whistleblowing process, I think you need to give people as many different channels as you possibly can to do that. Because you have to recognize that as much as you might say it's safe to go and talk to your HR team, some people will not feel comfortable doing that. So we would always say, do the groundwork around making sure that everybody understands what's expected of them at work. Give people the context about how to use their privilege in a positive way at work. Make sure that people know that they have the root of HR. They can talk to their managers. They can talk to other ally groups within the organization. And what I've seen work really well with a couple of our clients is they've said that their HR director has been front and center in terms of all of the work that they've been doing. And they said, if you don't feel like you can do any of those things, you can pick up the phone and talk to me personally about this. And I think having somebody really visible who says, if you don't feel like you're comfortable doing any of these other things, pick up and phone me. In an organization with thousands of people in the UK, I think that's pretty powerful. So right now, as, as we all know, we're at a time where companies are cutting back and figuring out what their new normal is. From what you've been saying, do you feel it's actually more important to, than ever to invest in DNI? I mean, I, clearly, I would say this, but yes, um, I think again, your your people. If you are if you are in a leadership position in a company, your people are looking at what you're doing now and what you're prioritizing, and what you say is important. And I think if DNI becomes something that you drop as soon as times get hard, or as soon as your company gets into a situation which is difficult. That gives people a really clear indication of how important it is to you. So I think, you know, where I've seen where I've seen things working really, really well is actually where companies have stepped up their game during this period. And in recognition of the fact that I think I don't know anybody whose mental health has been unimpacted by what's been going on. And I think companies that recognize that and make this a focus going forwards through this period that we're experiencing at the moment will see the benefit of it because I keep coming back to this this idea that people will not forget how you made them feel during this difficult time. And yet it might be an employer's marketplace for a while, but at some point we will get back to a place where the employees are the ones that have the choice and they will choose to vote with their feet. And the power of employee feedback when it comes to your external brand is so powerful, which is why sites like Glassdoor are so, are so prevalent now. So, Trish, before we round off this um, awesome chat, um, there was one thing that we definitely want to, you know, look into the future for. And I'm sure a lot of uh, people listening right now would love to hear from you about this. Um, as you mentioned in your talk, you are a woman of several privileges. You're a cis, uh, straight white woman and a founder of a company, but clearly you're an amazing ally and advocate. But so what would your advice be? Because 
in terms of if we want real change and to move forward, all those marginalized communities, and especially for their mental health, need allies. What would you say are the key steps in becoming, uh, moving from an actor, an ally, and into being an accomplice for change? I oh I love that I love that I might steal that Leanna um, okay. <laughs> trademarked yeah. no I really like that I think um there's a there's a few things I think the most the first and most important thing is listen to the people in the groups that you are saying that you want to support and listen without any any thought of kind of how any of this stuff impacts you I think quite often when we're talking to when we're talking to people who are having a really terrible time because of some particular characteristic that they have that you don't, the tendency is to feel really guilty about it. And and I think, you know, that there, there is going to be an element of guilt because I have this completely unearned lack of challenge in my life in a number of different ways. But I think if you get hung up in your own guilt around this, then you're not listening properly. You need to listen properly to what people are saying to you and don't dispute what they're saying and don't, don't doubt what they're, what they're telling you. You just need to listen and you need to be guided by the people within those groups as well as to, as to what it is that they, that they want you to do. And I, 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 you know, just, it's a small thing that I do, but I, I kind of think it's really important to to listen, but to listen without kind of forcing people to educate you. So I, I follow a lot of um, a lot of folk from the trans community on Twitter. I follow a lot of activists within the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think it's really important to hear what those people are saying, because they are saying it when they want to and where they want to and how they want to, rather than me going to somebody in my circle and saying, right, come on now, I need you as a, as a trans person to educate me as a cis person about your life and your experiences, because that's exhausting. That's not that's not fair on the people in those groups. So I think go and go and do the work, do the groundwork, do the learning. There are so many, so many resources out there. So there's Twitter, there's so many different books, there's loads of great guides on allyship. And I think go and do the research yourself. Don't expect other people to educate you. And then be prepared to stand up for what you believe in because silence is true complicity when it comes to this. Thanks, Trisha. That was a really, really great last last answer there. And thank you so much for all your expertise on this, the work you do in this field, the contributions towards diversity and inclusion that you make. And finally, thank you for coming on. We've learned an awful lot about the importance of listening, transparency, openness, and also being aware of what's going in communities that you are not part of. And the importance of you doing that research yourself to become aware and to become informed, and then to stand up for those people as an ally. So thank you ever so much for coming on, for teaching us so much today. And we wish you all the best in all of your great work. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Trish, um, tell um, the listeners where they can uh, find you and follow you. Uh, so if you're on Twitter, I am at Trisha Driver, which is T-R-I-C-I-A Driver. Um, or you can follow our company Twitter handle, which is at A New Normal Limited. And those are similar handles for Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Find videos and articles about this series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to hear more. Coming up next week, we'll be speaking to Suki Sandhu of Orderless and Involve about intersectionality in business. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.